Hello and welcome to Pretty Sure It's Pretty Cure. I'm Cure Jessica. I'm Cure Jared. I'm Cure Jasmine. And I'm Cure Frank. (laughs) (laughs) This is a podcast where we are watching and recapping the entirety of the Pretty Cure franchise. This is episode one, the first time we've ever watched any Pretty Cure. Mm -hmm. And today we will be talking about the first three episodes of the first season of Pretty Cure. feeling since uh because last week you had never seen pretty cure now you have do you feel changed i'm ready for more yeah yeah yeah. i i am getting such like a a card captor sakura feel from it it's like putting me back in the 90s and getting up on saturday morning and wanting to eat a bowl of bad sugary cereal that's really funny that you say that because it puts (laughs) me back in the 90s as well which is mm-hmm. wild because this show was made in 2004. <laughs> right? Doesn't it not feel? Wow. Right? It does not feel 2004 at all. We no. will get into that. I think it is okay. Okay. It's time to launch into our recap so we can really dissect uh, what yeah. we've experienced. So episode one opens with a lacrosse game. Was it a lacrosse? I don't cut up the lacrosse. That That's is lacrosse, lacrosse right? I, because I always do lacrosse. Yeah, but is it a lacrosse an inside is game? And no, I thought it was an outside game. <laughs> I don't know. Well, clearly she is like the star of the lacrosse team, which is very <laughs> Japanese. Um, I only ever see stars yeah. of lacrosse teams in anime. Yeah, oh, I yeah. always associate lacrosse as being an American sport. That's hilarious. Well, it, it well it originated from like. The native indigenous people of North America. Wow, I did not know that. Pretty sure it this did. This is very educational. This is already, <laughs> this has become a lacrosse podcast. Hello and welcome to lacrosse podcast. <laughs> where people educate work. me about lacrosse. Uh, um, at least I thought it was. No, it looks like Maybe I'm wrong. a quick Wikipedia search seems yeah. to indicate that you're yeah, right. That it is part of the Iroquois tradition. I mean, Frank knew. I didn't know. I knew. (laughs) And actually, that's why I was struck by the fact that I usually when I think of like sports in Japan, I'm thinking soccer, maybe baseball, but like lacrosse. Yeah. So I was, I was super, I was super delighted by that. I have seen, I have seen um one other anime. Uh, the what is that Studio Ghibli one that wasn't a Miyazaki one? The Cat Returns. In The Cat Returns, she's a lacrosse player, and I it I remember that very distinctly because she saves the cat at the beginning of the movie with her lacrosse racket. That's how she like launches oh. the cat out of the way of the car is with her lacrosse racket. 
And then the cat turns out yeah. to be the prince of cats and is like, cool, well, I'm going to come kidnap you to the kingdom of cats as a quote-unquote thank okay. you. Nothing that exciting happens during this lacrosse No, we thing. just find out that so, all the girls was... have a crush on Nagisa. Who, yeah. who is our orange-haired, yeah. adorable protagonist. Um, <laughs> and then we go from Nagisa to um, Honoka, who is doing yeah. science with all of her fellow adorable science nerds. And they all all doing very unsafe science. Doing very unsafe science. They should really be wearing goggles. Also, I don't know what I'm not here. I'm not a scientist, but like I don't know what you can mix together that creates an explosion and then ice. There is bad science protocol, and I just let it go. (laughs) But really. No protective equipment. At least wear, <laughs> at least wear gloves, people. I I do like we seen her do it again in episode three, and I and I still was like saddles. But I, I do like the fact that science it's even for that time period it's considered a very masculine sort of thing, and she is like the girly girl of the two yeah. of them, and yet a really good strong science person. So that's super well, nice. I was also going to say, I do like the fact that, because we get this contrast between like one being the jock and the other yeah. being the nerd, but I do like the fact that we see them both yeah. being good at what they do and also being like yeah. really unafraid to get dirty. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're both like working very hard and like one of them is in an explosion and gets all roughed up and the other is playing her sport and gets all roughed up. Like they're both like getting messy doing the things that they love and i love that's such a good way to introduce these characters yeah and there wasn't like we're going to compete against each other despite being in totally different fields there's a there's definitely a i will support and admiration on at least one side at the beginning yeah absolutely and so then they walk past each other and then we get the op uh which wonderful theme song really Oh, I love. I really like the theme song. Yeah, I'm so happy whenever I hear it in the the episodes. So good. It's incredibly catchy. Both the opening and the ending theme song are very catchy. Oh man! Oh, uh, the other thing it took me like three episodes to realize that I really like um, Nagisa's hair. Like she has a totally different hairstyle when she's um, in the, I guess, pretty cure phase, and. Oh my god, do I love that haircut so much. No, but we get the opening. There's mm-hmm. lots of cool action shots, and it's very catchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get back to Nagisa, who again is like very, even though it's a dual protagonist thing, it seems like she's our point of view character more than yeah. Honoka. Yeah. Right, isn't the song like the OP from her point of view, right? Yeah. Yeah. More than yeah, yeah. Well, and like, and whenever there's a point where they're separated or whatever, we tend to focus on her more, um, right? But she's walking into school with her friends, uh, Shiho and Rina. I wrote this down because I knew I'd never remember. <laughs> I wrote this down, and then I drew <laughs> tiny drawings of their hairstyles so I'd remember which was which. <laughs> 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 uh, you're much better than I did. I was like friend one, friend two, and both are really nice. Both are really Yay. Nice. The the joint Narus of this show. 
I people I know that yeah. there are Pretty Cure fans who really don't like when Pretty Cure gets compared to Sailor Moon, and they're not gonna like <laughs> me here because I compare everything to Sailor Moon, and this is literally a magical girl yeah. show made by the same animation studio. So <laughs> okay, man. All right, when we get to the transformation, I have so many questions about that. <laughs> in that case, so many questions. Um. Okay. But so she's walking in with Shio and Rina who tell her that there were a lot of shooting stars and that's when we get this cute moment mm-hmm. where Honoka's like and they're like, Oh no, maybe it was a bad omen, which is not anything I've ever heard before. I've heard it before. Quick yeah. quick poll. Who has heard that shooting stars are bad omens? I raise my hand and sign thing. Jade? Oh I have not Jasmine. I also have not So Frank's that. the weird one and we can mock her. Um Yes. <laughs> Hey, hey, after I, I taught you things about lacrosse, so. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> All right. But we get this cute uh, scene where Honoka corrects them about what shooting stars are. I really love the dreamy music over that as she's explaining the science. It's this weird sort of almost contrast, but it's. I, I just love it. Yeah, it's so mm-hmm. there's something so sweet about it, and like you can just tell that everyone's like in awe of her. My note in this scene was, "Oh my god, she's so positive and adorable." Right? Like <laughs> she's so optimistic. Like, oh no, isn't it better to think of it that way instead of thinking of them as bad omens? Like, aw, that's so cute. Um, this is also when we find out that they are in their second year in middle school, which in Japan would mean, um. Eighth grade, uh, mm-hmm. which makes them thirteen years old. If it is April, which is established in episode three, that it is. <laughs> this is something because I spent a whole lot of time trying to figure out Sailor Moon timelines, which do not work. Oh, no, that they're, that that was a they're hmm. fundamentally broken. Uh, the Sailor Moon timelines, but they are supposed to be in eighth grade. It is also supposed to be April. There's no way they'd be 14, and this has bothered me for years. Um, so I assume these girls are actually the correct age, in which case they are 13. Um, and they actually look like 13, and there's not actually what was so delightful. It either tells me that I have been watching a lot of really just inappropriate anime. Was <laughs> that there's no like sexualization of them, even in the opening. There's no like. Ooh, right, tantalizing bits. Like, I feel like this was not made with guys in mind. No. Yeah, but there's a lot of like, oh, aren't these girls so close? So I'm getting kind of a lesbian absolutely, vibe they too. Are. This but, is but because this is where we're absolutely lesbian vibe because this is where we get into. They start gossiping about Honoka when she leaves to yeah. say like, oh, she's really great okay. and she's really popular with boys, and then. Nagisa checks her locker. Yeah. There's a bunch of love letters. And they're all from girls. From girls. <laughs> and she's so disappointed about it. And I'm like, no, embrace, embrace your destiny as a gay icon. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real calling. Um, There was one other thing, though, because we do know that. because. We do know that there is going to be eventually a male love interest, but it's like uh, we need to have a damsel in distress at some point, I guess. That's what I'm assuming the boyfriend is going to be. Gosh, I hope so. 
Um, okay, so then we get to the point after we see all her love letters from the girls where Nagisa is sleeping in class and then the teacher wakes her up to solve a math problem. Um, and and she can't solve it and she's thinking, I'm really dumb. And then Honoka explains to the teacher that actually it is an unsolvable math problem. Which I was like, when I first saw it, I'm like, this is a dumb problem. And then they said that it was a dumb problem. I'm yes, like, yes, vindicated. <laughs> I, was, I was squarely in Nagisa's camp, like, mm, I can't solve that. <laughs> I recognized the kind of math problem it was, but didn't try to solve it. And then when she explained that it was impossible, I was like, wait, is it? And then I had to write it down and go through the steps. I was, Sorry. I was like, I was like, oh. I was like, do her numbers work out? For the record, yes, her numbers work out. <laughs> this is not how to do math. Podcast 101. But yeah, yeah Honoka saves her, which is really cute. This is one of the things mm-hmm. that if you watch Crunchyroll versus watching, I don't know what fan subs you guys watch, but in the Crunchyroll subtitles, and for the most part, I find that the fan sub subtitles make slightly more sense with the small amount of Japanese that I know. But this is one of the cases where I think Crunchyroll was more on the nose because Crunchyroll had her saying she can't solve that problem instead of saying that problem's impossible to solve. And I feel like that makes the teacher's response of, are you saying that she's not smart, make more sense. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, Nikisa being like, well, you're not wrong. Once again, so relatable. Oh, yeah. I like that she just accepts that like her sweet classmate would stand up in the middle of class to roast her for not being able to do math. <laughs> but like it's clearly like the smart one, so of course Nagisa's like, oh, I'm really dumb. And it's like, no. But Honoka isn't roasting her, she's saving her. And Yeah, super cute, super and great. So then after class, uh Nagisa goes to thank her. Um, mm-hmm. And they're in love. That's what I wrote. They are in love. That was my note. <laughs> um, also that Nagisa in the classroom scene is sitting in the anime protagonist seat. I just wanted to note that because it amuses me. Um, you know, in anime, where you have to sit in the back corner. Yeah, doesn't she then, Nagisa then go home after that? Yes. Um, she goes home. Her friends have a conversation that I just want to note very shortly where she says, where her friends are like, both you and Honoka should be class representative. Mm-hmm. Like, because you're popular yep. with girls and she's popular with boys. Yes. And I have, and, I, and it's really cute, but I have like two notes. One, later on we get a class representative and there's only one. So why were they saying there were two class representatives? And two, what good is being popular with boys? They go to an all-girls school. Yeah! (laughs) How does that help you represent your class? And man, are they, like, desperate to see any kind of boy. Like, any kind of boy, they're like, yay! And it's like, it's a male teacher, don't do that! (laughs) We will get there! Oh boy, that episode was fun. <laughs> I mean, I just wrote all of this off of weird straight stuff, so you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that 
it's so cute. Um, and so then she sees her love interest at the at the train station as they go away, yeah. and that's how you know that she has a love interest because there was a boy on screen and she looked at him. Um, she mm-hmm. goes home to her bedroom, which is very pink, and she has a rabbit comforter. And I just need to note this because it looks like Sailor Moon's comforter. Yeah, well, I love how that it's like. Like again, we're trying to like in a different world to portray her as like the tomboy, and she'd be so masculine and all this masculine coded stuff. But her stuff is all girly, and it's wonderful. Yeah, she has the, oh, she has this like pink heart rug and like flower, but she also has this hyper realistic. I think it's a lacrosse poster right next to her bed. Yeah, she's got stuffed animals everywhere. It's just so it's cute. super adorable. And then there's the falling star, yeah. and she wishes for... Because I want to follow those things, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. She wishes for a boyfriend. She wishes for slim oh. legs, which may be not so relatable for me. Uh, clothes, <laughs> which, yes, and chocolate cake, which always... Who doesn't wish for chocolate mm-hmm. cake? Yes. And that's when a bouncy falling star launches into her bedroom and smacks her in the face. Then, then that was so funny. <laughs> it smacks her in the face, and then it turns into a cell phone and a bunch of cards. That's how you know this was made in 2004. <laughs> like, a whole lot of it's very 90s, and then you see that flip yeah. phone, and you go, oh, no, no. No, this is 2004. <laughs> um, and then we get, and this is very important. This is the um. most important thing. We get a cut to Honoka going home. And we are introduced to the best, most important character in the show, Chutaro the dog. Yes. yes. And her grandma, who right now is just a silhouette. Oh. And that she has like a barn, maybe? Right. Like, kind of her grandma, grandma is something is up. The Chu Chutaro, the most important character, is barking at their barn? Shed? Shed barn? Giant it's it's gigantic yeah you could live there like you two people could very easily comfortably live in that giant like storage room they have well and that's sort of her thing is that we get a hint that this lady is this uh, that she is from like big old-time wealthy family yeah she's from money um but then she goes into the shed and um unlike nagisa who had to have a thing launch into her room, bounce around, and smack her in the face before making a mess everywhere. Her her little cell phone is just in a box. All, yeah. all wrapped up in a nicely wrapped box. All, like, packaged well, and neat. Well, that's meeple, right? Or meeple. Uh, oh, Mipple. Mip, I think it's Mipple and Mepple are the two, and that's Mipple. Right, which she's is the a princess. Great word to say. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I'll, I'll get to another one that I a name that I was just like. Mm. <laughs> um, then we find out that she's the princess later on too, because they're actually animals from the Garden of Light. Uh-huh. Uh And it's like, yeah, of course, the princess is gonna do it nicely and uh, a big brave hero is going to be completely useless so <laughs> how did she like 
even where did that box come from? It was perfectly molded to hold that phone. My prediction is the grandma's in on it, you guys. Oh yeah. I mean, I believe it. Grandma's hiding. She knows something. So I, I don't want to like get ahead of us like early in the first episode, but I feel like she does like mention the box or the shed in the second or third episode. Yeah. Well, and there's a reference to a doctor. What was that, Doctor? Breckstone? Yeah. Who just looks Which like was Do- Einstein. I know, but it was definitely right. like... Okay, so we're getting way ahead of ourselves. <laughs> right, okay. Right. Um, and so then we go back to Nagisa. She is frightly scared of taking this phone, which starts talking to her. She's like poking it with her lacrosse stick. It starts talking to her. Um, this is the point... Methel says something here where he says, "You're a girl. Oh, I guess it doesn't matter." Was he <laughs> was he looking for a boy? Maybe he was looking for her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he would have been way too little for that. Um. Uh. But then yeah. we get we get the introduction of her brother. Her mom asks her mom, who is downstairs being domestic and cooking dinner, asks her mm-hmm. brother to go check on her because there's lots of noise coming from upstairs um Mm -hmm. and then he gets mad that she bought a cell phone yes (laughs) and they like tease each other in the way siblings are like terrible and it's perfect and wonderful (laughs) and exactly how awful siblings are to each other yeah they're like really they're like both really mean to each other yeah which is what yeah, which is really nice because usually it's like one or the other. <laughs> That's actually to me also very Sailor Moon because Usagi has her little brother Shingo, and they're both oh. constantly mean to each other. Yeah. She gathers the cards, and he starts. Oh, that my next note: the cards. Let's talk about the cards. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm seeing a heavy like card captors vibe, but also Digimon. Is strong and right. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I want to know when you, because I assumed you went out and you bought one of these little toys. Did they come with all of the necessary cards, or was it like that they also made you buy a bunch of card packs to try to get what you needed? I'm imagining you've got to go like trade around with your friends <laughs> to just yeah. find that one rare one. But there are all these cards, and then Mepple starts saying, Oh, I gotta find Mipple, I gotta find the Princess of Hope. <laughs> Mipple. <laughs> gotta find Mipple. <laughs> it's not any better. Like, it doesn't rhyme with Mipple anymore, but if you no. say it Meeple, it's still funny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and they always end with Mip and, or Meep or something, Mipple, and it's just so awful. <laughs> Alright, yeah. I know, I know. And then, so yeah, so she like scoops him up in the lacrosse. Yeah. Uh, and that, starts... Which I just, <laughs> I just love. Yeah. She scoops him up in the lacrosse because you're not going to touch it. It came from right. space and it's talking to you. <laughs> I wouldn't touch it. Um. <laughs> And then See, this is when the protective her. safety gear would be helpful. Yeah. And then he starts leaving her like, oh, terrible GPS. Just like, 
Yes. What do I do? Go right or left? Go straight. That is a wall. Yeah, no, but that's go go don't go that way. And so then we see her break into like a series of backyards. Yes. And then go through a kitchen for a restaurant. No one seems to care that there's just this random child there. Right? There's a random child there wow. talking to like a cell phone and a lacrosse stick. <laughs> yeah. Main character said is she's allowed to do that. And all these chefs Ooh, she has just, orange hair. All these chefs are just like, yeah, I mean that seems like a thing. She even shouts at also the, the Also the lady whose garden she was in just did nothing either. Right. <laughs> She's used to it, like every week, main character runs through. <laughs> She'd really just build a gate and a path to save oh. on some cost and destruction. Mm-hmm. That was why the bags of rubbish were there. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh. Right, so they they meet up in, well, uh, she has to go to this, the, uh, the best named uh, park Angel Land. Right, I wrote that in capital letters. <laughs> yes! I wrote Angel Land. <laughs> yes! Which I, well, had a remarkable lack of, like, angels and religious things, which is what I expected from Angel Land. No, 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 it was just, they were just being subtle about uh, um, our main characters being, I don't know, I have no idea what I'm I don't talking know. about. <laughs> <laughs> but but more importantly, we we get uh, we get our our evil villain, right? What his name? What's his name? Uh, well, I didn't catch his name, so my first name for him was um the uh, it's the Goblin King from the Labyrinth. <laughs> he absolutely looks like Jareth. He looks like yes. Coonsite from Sailor Moon doing a Jared cosplay. Yeah, so he and or maybe like the a Japanese like kabuki thing reference maybe, but I like had so many names for him and then we finally found out his name is Pissard. <laughs> Pissard. Which now now I've just now all of my notes are for, are for him are like Piss Lord. <laughs> well, it's like it's funny because it's like I was watching it and I'm like, are they pronouncing that pissard or pissard? And I was like, neither one is good. At one point, I wrote down pizar. He's the czar of pee. Oh, but his character design is the best. Oh, it's thing fabulous! In it's this show. so great. I just what's what because that character design more than anything is what makes you think that this show was made in like 1992 instead of 2004. Yeah. Like, oh god. The big hair, and and then they do like long, like I I don't know how many times they did zoom in on his eyes, and particularly like his perfectly beautiful um, eyeliner, like, yes, eyeliner and um, eyeshadow, and it's just fabulous. Right, he looks like it. He looks like an eighties glam rocker. That, yeah, there you go. I just I like to think that somebody in toy animation drew him in like 1986 and that for like two decades they were like no like every time till we got together and was like we're gonna make a cartoon like this one person with this character design would be like i have a character and they'd be like no jim 
No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we are not putting that Jareth guy in. <laughs> and he's finally like, you have someone else? And I'm like, fuck, no, Right, fine. in 2004, they were like, we really, really can't pin this down. We just don't have a better idea. And he was like, please, you guys, I'm retiring this year. <laughs> it's my last year. It's my last year. Just let me put in my character design. But yeah, so they break into, into Angel Land. They are looking for the princess, but instead they find this guy. He gets into an altercation with Nagisa, and it's actually like a pretty hands-on fight. And he gets, yeah. and he gets Meppel. Like, he has the phone, and you're like, oh, well, I guess the show's over. That's it. <laughs> that was a short series. That was a really short series. And that is when Honoka and Mipple arrive, and we find out that Honoka's been being led along just like Nagisa was, and so we all get to imagine that she also broke into some places, and <laughs> that's fun for me. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Nagisa, powered on by them, uses her lacrosse stick to attack Jareth the Pizar, and... <laughs> Who knew an ancient a game from North America would be so useful against aliens from another universe? I mean, I mean, really, <laughs> what other way would you fight them? So they, so she gets it back, and that's when he says playtime is over, starts levitating things, which I love. <laughs> he says playtime is over multiple times, and I just hope that he says it all the time. That's how you know what genre <laughs> show this is. When the villain says, playtime is over. Like, now I know what show we're watching. Um, And that's when they are told to use the queen card in their cell phones and transform. And so we were talking about the transformation earlier. And boy, was I not. I was totally underwhelmed by the transformation. (laughs) I admit uh, the first time because I was thinking of like the Sailor Moon where it's kind of. Like, they get the full body thing. But in this one, you get, like... I mean, it's nice later on. I, I like how the designs work, but was not... I was I was really not sure what, what it was. Yeah. I I was really distracted by the Silver Surfer vibe. <gasps> yeah, yeah that might have been it. I also down Silver Surfer. They turn into Silver <laughs> Surfers while they transform. <laughs> But they do have uh, gay pride rainbows in the background the whole time, which I appreciate. That's true. And, that was nice. That was and nice. I also really like what I do like about their transformation a lot is the fact that there's like canonically a giant explosion happening around them. <laughs> there's like but a I huge... The age-old debate of why do villains let magical girls transform? It's because there's a huge tornado around them. Right? <laughs> there we go. There's like this giant, like apparently unapproachable pillar of light that is like in, like rainbow pillar, like engulfing them. And then the like there's like a literal like, ex- like it turns into like a smaller ball of light that crashes to the ground, and there's like a literal sort of like whoosh and it's like you should just transform on top of this guy (laughs) he would die (laughs) i mean it depends if it is just like really bright rainbows or if it is actually dangerous because 
he, he stepped away and covered his eyes, so it's not... We don't know that it's it's lethal. Well, it is like blowing his hair back in the wind, though. Something is happening there. <laughs> but then they come out of their transformation, and they do their speeches, and they declare that they are emissaries of light, cure black and cure white, which is nice. And I love this. This is one of my favorite things about um, magical girls. Because they do this and then they're like, wait a minute, why did I just say that? <laughs> yes! That was so cute! I love that. I love that. I love that not only about this in Pretty Cure, this is not the only magical girl show I've seen that in, but I tend to see it in magical girl shows and not like anywhere else. And I just really like the idea that like, giving a speech and being quippy and stuff is part of your superpowers when you were a magical girl. Like you don't just get a costume and super strength and like magic attacks. You also are magically compelled to introduce yourself and say things (laughs) and say threatening things. Yeah. And then, and then they get, they were like, uh, what I also really like too, is like, they're really bad at, Fighting to start with, too. Yeah. Like, but they're actually fighting. It's like contact fighting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, they're right up there. There's no weapons. They're like punching and. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I like the fights. And this makes me mm-hmm. a bad Sailor Moon fan. I like the fights here a lot better, at least than the 90s Sailor Moon. Like, because they are it is like contact fighting and there is like a lot of actual it's not as much standing around giving a speech and talking and then using your stock animation (laughs) they like fight they like jump up and they're like it's weird we could jump really high and they're like actually fighting um and then jareth the coonsite goblin king summons (laughs) this lord summons zakenna in a giant cloud and this I love him. and this oh. ghost thing and this ghost thing appears and possesses a roller coaster. So you know you know she's about to get real when a roller coaster's been possessed by a demon. Demon infused roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> and then they fight the demon. Uh and my note was, wow, they are really smashing up this theme park. I know. <laughs> Who's gonna pick? Right? Someone's like, they're gonna, people are gonna try to go to work the next day and it's just gonna be like, oh, this is a mess. Could you imagine? Like, oh, guess I just have the rest of the year off. <laughs> well, except that we know that sort of, like in episode two, when he transforms things, they go back and they're mostly back in their shape that they were supposed to be. Yeah, but they're like with the. They were also like they were like smashing into the ground like during this fight and stuff. I, like I have yeah, to assume yeah. that there are like at least giant chunks of cement that are just like rubble now, and they've got to like, repave. And then they are told to hold hands. Super guys, it's because they are in love. Yeah, they're told to hold hands, and then they turn into rainbows. And, like, we're meant to believe that at least one of these girls is at least somewhat interested in boys. But, like, okay, I guess. It's okay. They can be bi. Right. It's okay. Nagisa can be bi. We're out here. Right. Right. Uh, But they turn into rainbows and they do a beautiful rainbow attack. 
called? Oh, called my... <laughs> the Care Bear Stare. Yes, they yes. do the Care Bear Stare. <laughs> no, they do the better name because every time I they say it, I, go, I do a little giggle. <laughs> called a Marvel Screw. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like a sex move. <laughs> or a really nasty drink. Oh man, I I would absolutely try a marble screw. If I was at a bar and it said marble screw, I'd be like I'd be like, yeah, I'll try that. And it probably yeah. would taste really bad. Oh my gosh, yes. It's like justice. Yeah. <laughs> justice punching. Justice and punching girl power. So they do this cool attack and then Zakenna turns into a bunch of little stars that run away saying, Go Mena. They're so cute. They're so, yeah, they're so cute. cute. And uh, for people who know like five words of Japanese, that means sorry, which is just so cute. Right? They're running away. Go, Mena, go, Mena. We're sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, aww. So cute little stars. It's clearly the same demon coming back each time. So yeah. And they keep apologizing. So I want to know what's going on. What? How are they forcing these tiny little stars to become this evil giant monster? Like, just are they just going around and collecting them? And if you put enough of them in a small enough box, they get real bad and turn into a bad thing. Yeah, every time, every time they destroy this guy, the the villains are like, oh. God damn it! And then they have to like go God get they have to go get all their little nets and their boxes and set up little traps, <laughs> try to get them all back. And if they lose one, the demon's not going to be as good again next time. Right? And last oh. time he wasn't even good enough to beat them. So like, is this worth it? <laughs> We're not going to blame the demon. He just possessed the wrong thing. A roller coaster wasn't great. Let's try a vacuum next. <laughs> Which is also true. <laughs> so anyway, they beat the monster, and then you get the little moment where they're like, "Uh, what just happened?" And the explanation they get is, "You're pretty cures," and that's it. <laughs> yep. Uh, that was that was super helpful in explaining, <laughs> explaining, explaining everything that happened. Right. And then we get the ED song, which is very catchy. And all about not wanting to fight and just like wanting to have boys and also food. It's a mood. It's a mood. It's definitely it's a mood. It's definitely a mood. I mm-hmm. I like I watch it and I'm like, I have mixed feelings about this as a message for small children, but at the same time, like I like it. It's relatable. Mm-hmm. It, I get it. It's catchy. I get it. And we also get all the different characters walking by in groups, which is how right. we get confirmation that Nagisa does have a dad, even though we didn't see him this episode. <laughs> well, and hints of like future villains too. Yeah. Presumably. Presumably so. some future villains. Um and so and they and we do get the part where Zakenna is walking by followed by all the little star things and it's yeah! so cute. How is this villain so cute? Um and that brings uh, us to episode 2. Cuz this episode opens with um 
while they're counting while they're counting the votes up for class representative um mm-hmm. we get th- how this show has decided to do the previously ons it seems to be is to just have nagisa like reminiscing about what happened in her life yeah which is yeah which is fine yeah and so and so we get a lot of flashbacks of her thinking about like oh this happened and then this happened and what am i going to do and then we start the new episode um and at that point honoka is made class rep and then this is one of the things again because I watched these episodes twice, once on Crunchyroll and once fan subs. Mm-hmm. Y'all, and I want to shout out to fan subs because the Crunchyroll quality is so bad. Oh. The audio is bad, the video is bad. It's like they took a rip of a VHS tape recording of a VHS tape recording like it's really bad and the fan subs clearly had some like nice dvd source that they were working from but this is one of the things that in crunchyroll because we get we get the classic sort of dark kingdom style opening where mm-hmm. where pissard pissard <laughs> yeah very it's very negaverse he he's yes. standing in front of this giant, you know, looming boss guy who you assume's the evil evil, and he's you know the general, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, he's got these big chains coming from him. Yeah, and I want to know what that's so about. But in the Crunchyroll subtitles, he calls this guy Jaku King, and everywhere else calls him Dark King, and I'm pretty sure it's just Dark King. Yeah. I'm very confused, like. <laughs> Is his name Jack or is he the Dark King? I don't know. Maybe he's the king of Jakku, the planet in Star Wars. No one wants to go. Or maybe we don't. We're trying to do some kind of French name, but we're French word, and we don't really know how to say it. So we're just gonna do a weird mistranslation of it. I mean, he's the king of the dark zone, and it sounds like they're saying Dark King, like Jack King. Like I think. I think it's. I think he's just the Dark King, yeah. and Crunchyroll messed up. Yeah. So yeah, then we get like an explanation that uh, hint, hint. There are a total of seven of them. So presumably, there's we might see five more magical girls, yeah. or at least we need to get five more gems. Yeah, that they have five of these seven magical prism stones, and that the little mm-hmm. uh, Meeple and Mipple have the other two. And they're, that's mm-hmm. what they are trying to do. That's why they keep attacking, is that they're trying to get to Mepple and Mipple to get those prison stones. This is, this, is, this whole show is a lot of Sailor Moon references for me. Like, I was yeah. stones like just rainbow crystals. Right, it is very much like the rainbow crystals. Well, and the little, the, this whole opening thing where you have the, you know, evil sort of, general subordinate person talking to the evil ruler who is saying you have failed me and you have to find the thing and energy yeah you have to find this magic rock like it's that is so sailor moon that it's like hello 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 it sounded like something went wrong yeah that was scary is everybody okay okay Next, we have Nagisa in class, um, where she is reading from a book and gets interrupted 
by Methyl in her pocket being an asshole. It's so great. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's such a jerk. I love him. He's so he's like so like he immediately he interrupts everything. She's forced to leave yes. class. This is okay. And in the middle of this, we do get a cut to um Poussard standing over the city giving some speech about a power that's everywhere that I presume is electricity. He's really impressed. I know. I know. I'm like, did you not have electricity and you're an evil dimension? This like raises a lot of questions about the level of technology in the dark zone. And like, if that's how low the level of technology is, I'm pretty sure we can just like take this guy out with a taser. Like, (laughs) y'all are making this too complicated. They clearly haven't uh, heard of anything involving technology. We can beat them. Here's a flashlight. <laughs> Let me show you how the circuit works. Right, yeah, and then you don't need the prism stones because yeah. you can just like electricity. Yeah, you can have, just create a generator from a potato, make a little clock. <laughs> I also love when he's introduced, they play the most amazing evil guitar riff (laughs) but yeah and so then uh so then nagisa has to leave class in order to deal with her little asshole guy who says he's hungry and then gets to explain the mechanics of the toy that all the children want to buy yes yeah i totally said this is the this is the time to sell toys part of that (laughs) episode and did i want to buy it yeah this is the part (laughs) where we pause the episode for our commercial for our card-based Gigapet thing that looks like a cell phone. It's 2004. And then we go to Honoka and Nagisa are hanging out after school talking about their destinies and whether or not they want to do this. Honoka shows off her science. Yes! Her unsafe science practices. Oh, but you missed, like, the best part about, like, so he needed food and they brought out the, the cook thing and, like, the whole like, Nagisa was like, oh, yay, a sandwich! And she's so excited for the sandwich! <laughs> and then, um, Meeple, or Meeple, right? Meeple? It's like, no, I'm going, Meeple is going, is, like, so excited to get traditional Japanese food. But... <laughs> well, he's also, like, he's such a jerk to this chef. And then he gets, <laughs> and then he gets, and then he gets this traditional food. And I love that he yeah. says, like, oh, this is, like, the beauty of being like Japanese. This is why it's great to be. Yes. And it's like you're from you're from like another dimension. Yes. And it's miso soup, <laughs> which is not yummy. Anyway, yeah. So going back to um, the bad science practice. Right, so they obviously lots of beakers and lots of you know, cause cause that's what science always looks like. Uh, <laughs> yep, and, and an explosion. Don't forget an There's explosion. Always, what is she making this candy out of? There's this whole big oh. long thing, and of course the joke at the end is that this big long thing is building up to like it made a single small piece of candy. Yeah, it's sort of Willy Wonka esque. Yeah, and it's but it's. Like, I just, there is some part of me that knows just enough about science to be like, what are you making this out of that's so volatile? <laughs> this apparently isn't the first time. No. And who is letting you do this <laughs> without supervision? 
what kind of monkey school are you going to? Also, what kind of amazing budget does this school have oh. that they just keep buying her new beakers and stuff to break? Yes, right. But then, so she makes a single mm. piece of candy and then it explodes and they really should have been wearing goggles. Also, yep. you don't need, like, beakers and stuff. Like, just, like, for the record, when you make hard uh. candy, you just, like, melt some sugar in a pan. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah, but it it looks cool if you put it through all the swirly tubes and stuff. That's just... This is true. You're just getting sugar residue all on all your swirly tubes. It's a waste of money. <laughs> yeah, but it's the school's money she's wasting, not her That's own. true. She doesn't care. That's true. That's 100% fair. It is the school's money, and she has to do her impressive-looking science. I'm just thinking of some poor science teacher just sat there trying to get the sugar out of all this equipment she's got set up. Nah, they'd probably make, like, an upper-classman do it. <laughs> <laughs> like a cadet. And this is where we get back um, into the toy tutorial, uh, yep. because Methyl wants to see Mipple, but Mipple's asleep, and this is when we learn that you can put them to sleep with a sleep card. I, I want it. that card. <laughs> Me to sleep with the sleep card. Right? <laughs> I want a sleep card. So you can put them to sleep with the sleep card, and this is when we get our PSA to all the children watching that you should really have them asleep while you're in school. Don't have your cell phone on during school hours. Do not have your cell phone not on. Not take your Tamagotchis to class. <laughs> yeah, don't take your Tamagotchis to class. They can sleep through school, and it'll be okay. This is our PSA <laughs> so that uh, our toys don't get banned from school and we make less money uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's that's accurate um and then nagisa and Honoka have this conversation where nagisa's like i don't know if i really want to do this and Honoka yeah. does <laughs> i said um, nagisa wants to get off this crazy chain <laughs> Um, I really like Honoka in this conversation because Nagisa's making all these like really, really like salient points about like, we almost died. We could almost die again. What makes us qualified? Why is this a good idea? And Honoka's just like, well, yeah, but doesn't it seem kind of interesting and fun? I don't know. Nothing uh, ever happens to me. <laughs> well, and that's when I realized that she truly is a scientist. <laughs> Yeah, she just like she's just curious about it, so she's gonna keep doing yeah. it. I think some of it might be that she's got like, no friends either. Yeah. <laughs> we see next episode that she's not got any friends, but this is forcing her to make one. <laughs> and so, and so she has a lack of self-preservation, and Nagisa's like, "Fine." And this is when a soccer ball launches into their science room, which. What? I'm, how fast was that kicked? I don't know, but... Uh, well, I, yeah. It broke through glass. <laughs> Soccer balls are made out of fabric. They, they were upstairs as well, so it's, it's got to be ridiculously hard to have even gone up there with enough force. Right? But it breaks through a window and into their room, uh, and Mickey's just like, Oh, those boys are the worst! And starts and runs downstairs to lecture them. Except the boy that kicked to the soccer ball was the cute boy from the train station. Oh no! Oh no! He's cute. That makes everything okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, this is when he, we learn his name is Fuji P. 
Except I'm not sure if his name is Fuji-P, like P is the suffix, or if it's Fuji-P. I think it's a nickname. And then we get back to, you know, because this is a Magical Girls, we get to the villain. And he's talking who's buying a vacuum. (laughs) Yes! Like, ominously buying a vacuum cleaner. And it's like, okay, dude, it's a vacuum cleaner. And he's like, with the scary eyes. And it's like, Okay. Right, the the vacuum the vacuum salesman is like this vacuum has a lot of power and he's like a lot of power you say clearly <laughs> this is the ultimate weapon and so he gets a vacuum uh and then after school we have Meppel and Nagisa and this is where we get the Garden of Light exposition where he says oh mm-hmm. let me tell you where I'm from. I'm from the Garden of Light. We were attacked by the Dark Zone, and she's the princess, and I'm a chosen hero, and we escaped with the Prism Stones. And that's sort of the ex- He has to, like, beg her to tell her, though. He's like, yeah. he's like, can I tell you this story? And she's like, ah, no, I don't really want to. And I'm like, I mean, when a talking cell phone comes from the sky and gives you magic you powers... Live- Maybe I would want to know what was going on. She's like, no, I want no, I, I don't want to know. I don't really care. I'm doing this because a cute girl told me we should do this. <laughs> and <laughs> really, that's the most persuasive argument I got from all of this. Right? Yeah. No. Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of that cute girl, we go to Honokan. She's um, getting the same exposition. Yep. And Grandma shows up, and she's like, "Hey, how you talking to <laughs> Yeah, did were you talking to anyone?" And when she's like, "No," she like smiles, and she's like, "Did you go in the shed?" Oh no. Okay, well that's fine. It's like Grandma, <laughs> you know something. <laughs> grandma is being coy. Grandma knows the stuff. <laughs> I just that she was being really suspicious. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> she was. And so then we get to the summoning of Zakenna to possess the vacuum, because that's important. And so Jareth Picard, Captain Picard, <laughs> Jareth Kunzite, comes from <laughs> summons, um. summons Zakenna, possesses the vacuum, and then he's like, Go eat all the electricity. So the vacuum starts eating all the electricity in the town. And that's when Meppel starts sensing danger, which this is something I like, is that in Sailor Moon and in other certain Magical Girl shows, um, Cardcaptor Sakura falls into this problem sometimes. We're like, it's really convenient that they happen to be where this bad thing is happening. Like, it's really good that they happen yeah. to visit that ice cream shop that day. Where the yeah. where the evil people were, right? Whereas, like in this, if the little cell phone guy could just say, "I sense the bad thing," and I have like a cell phone GPS before cell phone GPS existed, I can take you there. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they also like see it on the news. Yes, because then they right. he yeah. starts right. sensing a bad thing, and she's like, "No, I don't want to do anything about it." And then they, like, turn on the TV and the news is like, no, really, stuff is very bad. And he's like, it's the Dark King, it's the Dark King, it's the Dark Zone. And she's like, 
no, and then her TV stops working. And that's when she's like, okay, fine. I guess yeah. I'll go do something about this. I guess I'll go and save my friends now. Because <laughs> then she goes, the is that her friends are in danger. And it's like, you know, we could have just done that and she would have gone and do it. But no, she has to, like, leave on her own. <laughs> There's a little, I, I felt like there might have been, like, a thing they missed somewhere. <laughs> Um, so she starts running, and of course, Honoka joins her because she also yeah. has a cell phone that is telling her what to do. Um, yes. A cell phone, a cell phone animal. Uh, and they run into the city, and there's an elevator, and their friends are in it, and it has stopped because of the lack of electricity, and their her their friends are stuck in the elevator, and so they're like, let's go to the rooftop and see what we can do. And they run to the rooftop, still in their civilian form, which, mm-hmm. that's some great stamina. That looks like a tall building. <laughs> and the elevator's not working. <laughs> and also terrible security. Right. Just terrible security in this building. I mean, there's no power, <laughs> so that maybe isn't helping. But <laughs> But there's terrible security in this building. They run to the rooftop in their civilian form. It seems like it would have been better to transform earlier. <laughs> but they run in their civilian form. And for the second time, and this is the first time I really thought about it, for the second time, they confront him as civilians. Yeah, and he's, yeah. Before they transform. <laughs> there are no secret identities oh, here. Well, although that kind of, like, bites them back in episode yeah. three, where he's like, aha! 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 Um, aha. And then we start seeing, like, sort of the beginning of some of their, like, specific powers. So, um, Potaro clearly has some kind of, like, wind thing going on. Yeah, she does that weird spin. Honoka does the weird spin force thing. Yeah. Where she, like, yeah. they're fighting the thing and she spins it. And it's, like, yeah. cool. And they're like, what was that? And as they go through the fight, they each... First Honoka and then first first Cure White and then Cure Black get knocked into the building. They get knocked into the small door and happen to get sort of launched back and fall on top of the roof of the elevator. Yeah. Oh, and this was also the first time I realized as I was looking at them that their earrings are heart shaped, which is just so cute. They're so cute. Again, I'm not wild about the transformation, like, but uh, it, it, I, by that point, I was starting to warm up to it, and I got to enjoy some of the cute little details of it. So the earrings, super cute. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, they're on top of the elevator, and Honoka is like wrapped up in the rope, <laughs> which is just odd. Yeah, and uh, it's a little bit unexplained, but that's okay because because Pissard shows up and he says, or Pizard, I don't know, uh, his lord shows up uh, and he's like, oh, you're conveniently on top of an elevator. I'll just cut yeah. the rope and watch you fall to your death. Right. <laughs> I genuinely, this, this next part, I genuinely really like. Again, yes. with, like, the practical fighting and the, like, real solutions thing. They don't use, I mean, they have, like, magic super strength, but they don't use magic to get out of this. Uh, no, and what they do looks absolutely painful. 
um, so they they like grab the rope and they basically are on their opposite sides and like try and like stop it. Yeah, they like um, like they like tie the elevator to themselves with the elevator cords and hold yeah. each other out like to create enough pressure to hold themselves in a straight line and try to stop the elevator with just the force of like their own legs and strength. Yeah. It was hardcore. It was super yeah. hardcore. And they don't even stop it. They just slow it down enough that when it reaches the bottom, they don't die. Like Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what you want anyway. They just stopped it immediately. Everyone would have still died. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so they but I really liked this. I was like, oh that is very cool. Yeah, and it well, and it's White's idea, yep. so she really thinks fast, which I appreciate. It's just her being like, yeah. "Oh no, I know, I know, I have an idea here. Let's let's do it." Um, and then they go. So after they've saved everyone in the elevator, they go back upstairs to confront and fight evil vacuum cleaner. And fight the evil vacuum cleaner. Um, <laughs> the piss lord and the vacuum cleaner try to attack them. <laughs> they hold hands, and it creates a gay force field around them. Yes. <laughs> They're surrounded by beautiful rainbows, a beautiful <laughs> rainbow like rose quartz oh. bubble shield. Yes, pretty care is gay propaganda. This just in. <laughs> <laughs> See, if you hold hands with another girl, if you hold, <laughs> no man or man object can hurt you. Yes, I'm okay yeah. with that. Nothing will ever hurt you. <laughs> Um, so they hold hands and they're protected. Then they do their beautiful marble screw attack. Um, then, it, even though it seems like the attack has already taken out the vacuum, like he's already like dying. Then almost is like a Nagisa has to do this final like fuck you kick to it. Yes, <laughs> so great. She's just like, and also I'm gonna kick you, and so she leaves a little footprint on it. So as I mentioned, the vacuum cleaner like it goes back to its proper form. So and then we see it later on with like in this epilogue where someone's like, ah yes, I want this vacuum cleaner. That pistol like returned. I I, I also wrote this note. How did the vacuum cleaner get back to the store? I that is the only explanation <laughs> that makes sense to me. They wouldn't have known where it came from. Piss Lord must have been like, it didn't do what I wanted it to, and returned it. <laughs> and they're like, okay, what didn't it do? It didn't suck up the lives of people. And they're like, okay. What's great is, like, we get the idea that he brainwashed the vacuum salesman to get the vacuum in the first place. Yeah. So I like the idea of him returning it and trying to get a refund, even though he didn't pay the first time. <laughs> Maybe she get an evil lamp. I don't know. <laughs> Can I at least get an exchange? Oh. <laughs> we need a new blender in the dark zone. <laughs> I need the. I need this. I, I comes back to the dark king. It's like I brought this. And she's like, "What is it? It makes ice cream." <laughs> Yes, all of this is canon. This will definitely yes, happen. Um, so we have that, and then we have uh, uh, we also have a very short sort of little epilogue moment where uh, the girls are walking to school, and uh, 
Nagisa's two Naru friends are being like, we got trapped in an elevator. It was awesome. We almost died. <laughs> no, that feels right. That feels right. That's a reasonable reaction. Yeah, no. And so that is episode two. There was a lot of exposition in this episode and a lot of toy sales, but also probably my favorite fight scene. And like by episode two, I was like, okay, I think I know where this is going. It's going to be one of those like evil electrical, electrical appliances or whatever weird stuff every week. I am totally for this now. <laughs> um, and so then we get into episode three. Episode three again starts with the very standard Dark Zone opening. The Dark King is like, yep. Oh, you failed. You have to do better. And it's very, very like Barrel and Jedi. Yeah. And then we get, once again, get an internal monologue of a previously on. And then Nagisa is again at the train station and the boy appears. <laughs> oh, the boy. Oh, a boy! And she's like, oh my god, and this is the scene where I have done this before, I have had this happen to me, and it is like the worst feeling in the world. They're like, oh, are you talking to me? No, you are talking to the person behind. Cool, 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 cool. I did, uh, yep, 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 and you're not like, yeah, I wasn't smiling at you, nope, that was, that was, yep. <laughs> I have once held a conversation with somebody who was on a Bluetooth. Oh, that's so <laughs> they were not oh. talking to me. They were on a Bluetooth, oh. and I just kept replying. Yeah, that's awkward. Okay. That's the worst. It's the worst. So anyway, we get a moment like that where she thinks she thinks cute boy is talking to her, and but cute boy is talking to his friends. And then, uh, and then we get to the principal and the vice principal, who are discussing the weather and the fact that they're getting a bunch of new student teachers tomorrow. Uh, and I like how, because the vice principal is like the sniveling yes man, yeah. and then the principal is just like done. I know. I think he's been done not just with this vice principal, <laughs> but with this whole school thing for like at least five years. <laughs> he like gave up a long time ago. I just, I just thought this whole conversation was hilarious, and I. Oh I gosh. hope we see more of these two, but I suspect we're never going to see them again like this. <laughs> I know. I really hope that they are just like recurring and always this funny. Yeah. This conversation was so funny. And the principal does, does like my favorite line where it's like that that wasn't supposed to be a compliment. <laughs> and right? He's just like, he's just like, no, no. you no, <laughs> yes. No, you little suck up. I can't. I cannot stand you. Yeah, and that's when I finally twigged to the fact that this was an all-girls school, and that's the reason why these girls were like so excited to see anyone that looked remotely like a male person. <laughs> right? Yeah, they're thirteen-year-old girls um, who clearly have been told that they should find all boys attractive, but they never get to see any boys. So, <laughs> I, being around male teachers, and they're going like. Gaga over the male teachers, and it's like, right. no, don't do that. Yet last episode, there were still boys close enough to kick a football through the window. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, right. That's why, because like, yeah, I was like, so weird. I was like, this is a girls' school. What are they? Do they have like a like a sister school full of boys, or like, why are? Is it like the new boys' school? 
<laughs> yeah, like maybe they're like joint schools, and one's a boys' school and the other's a girls' school. I don't know, but yeah, they're all super. They we get to Nagisa. She is um sleeping in class again, <laughs> just really not paying attention. She is not paying attention, and so the teacher, as punishment, is like, "Cool, well, you want to be in charge of the field trip, right?" Right, and and what kind of like this is when I was like, okay, not only does this school not understand how like science safety precautions work, but we are going to make a two thirteen year old girls uh, because of course, um, Han Ahonika uh is also then part of this get to decide because yeah, the teacher like has to rethink her. She does it on a whim just to like. <laughs> Just to mess with Nagisa, and then she's like, "Oh no, wait! But you'll mess it up. I need to find a responsible student." Like, what kind of monkey school is this? It's awful. But yeah, so <laughs> it really is like a very odd school. Yeah. So now, then they're leaving the school, and they're all talking about how the student teacher. The new, their new, like, teaching assistant student teacher is supposed to be really hot. And the girls are talking about getting, like, makeovers for this. Yes! And it's like, okay, this is really sad. (laughs) This is like, you are, like, 13? Yeah. You're, like, please don't. Please, please don't. don't. Please stop. Please, please do not try to, like, seduce your adult teacher, you weirdo. (laughs) This is, like, this isn't because it's not that weird for a thirteen-year-old to be attracted to an adult. I know that I had crushes. Oh on my gosh! People yeah, when but... I was thirteen, but like I didn't anticipate. I like if somebody said, "Oh, a hot twenty-six-year-old is coming," <laughs> I wouldn't have been like, "Oh heck yeah!" Like you know, I'd be like, "I don't wait to see him because I'm aware that I'm 13. Like, you know? <laughs> and I was never, and I, and I personally, I don't think I ever got any crushes on any adults. In my actual life, I had age-appropriate crushes on like the cast of *The Lord of the Rings*. So, <laughs> but they're all—they're all freaking out about wanting to look cute for these new teachers, and that is when Meppel starts losing his shit from <laughs> yeah. from Nikisa's pocket, and then Honoka comes by, and Mipple also starts losing her shit from Honoka's pocket, and then. Nikisa and Honoka decide to gaslight their friends about it. Yes! And then we find out it's because, like, the two of them, Meeple and Mipple, are, like, need to, like, get it on whenever they're around each other. Like, if they can feel it, it's like, like, little, like, it's like the bone like, zone oh, is coming up. I can feel it. We need to bone I can right feel now. It. There you are. Right? <laughs> So they they make a bunch of noise at the school and the, the girl and then when Nikki's friends are like, uh, did you hear that? They're both like, nope, nope, nope didn't hear anything. No, do you want to go talk about uh the field trip? Yeah, let's leave and go talk about the field trip. And they just bolt. <laughs> And I can just imagine the friends are being like, because they have to emphasize like all the time that they have matching things that are very civil, like matching cases. And it's like, that was the thing this episode. Like, ooh, they have matching cases because two people have never thought the same thing ever. <laughs> no, they have 
these matching cases, and then they didn't know they were that close, and now they're leaving together. Right. They're acting suspicious, and you got to imagine their friends are just like, Man, are they dating? So they're dating. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think they're dating. And I mean, I thought Maggie sounded like boys. Huh. <laughs> I mean, isn't that surprising, though? You've seen her play lacrosse. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen the love letters she gets. <laughs> I'm glad that she's finally figuring herself out. Should we do like a party? <laughs> uh, anyway, actually, that was that did lead them to the most important thing, where they went to um, Honika's house, and we found out that she is the, the super ri- the super rich lady of like rich land, forever rich. Um, yeah. More importantly, we get to see the dog again. We get to see Chutaro, the best dog. Mm-hmm. Best dog, the best, the most important character. I expect Chutaro to get a complete and full, beautiful character arc. <laughs> I suspect this will is... be waiting a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and Naki's um, reaction is like, it's so big. And I was like, yes! It's like a kind of golden retriever. <laughs> And we find out here, she lives in this big giant house. Her parents are alive, which surprised me. Yeah. I was just assuming they were dead this whole time. Same. They are alive and out of the country for work. Like, and all I could think of was, like, I could hear, like, quotes around that. <laughs> <laughs> for They gave up on being parents. They were done with it. Yeah. And they- and they were like, we'll just leave her with grandma. Who did such a good job parenting one of them. <laughs> and we will go. They, but they're they're just, what work? Who knows? Are they secret agents? Are they in witness protection? <laughs> what are they doing that they couldn't bring her along, but was so important that they, only they could do it. And they both needed to go. <sighs> So anyway, her parents are out of the country, so she's just being raised with her grandma, uh, and this is, and Honoka goes to get some snack or something, and this is when Nagisa finds the picture of Albert Einstein. Stone, of what is definitely Albert Einstein. Like, a really weird Japanese rendition of Albert Einstein. Like, it's super weird. <laughs> she finds this photo, and it's like, tipped over face down. There's got to be something coming up with him. Otherwise, you would have just used, like, Einstein, because they made emphasis on pointing out who he was. So it's going to be relevant later. Right? Because otherwise, yeah, it just would have been Einstein. If it was just about, oh, she likes some scientist, because she's a nerd, they could have just used Einstein. (sighs) But instead, his name is Breakstone. The picture was tipped over face down. Which makes it look like it was, like, intentionally, like, no, I don't want to look at your face anymore. Like, that's what you do to a picture when you're, like, mad at somebody. <laughs> like, no. Like, what did, what did this scientist do to Honoka that she was like, I'm done with you? Was Are... she, like, just doing homework and felt inadequate? Like. <laughs> Her parents' faces were blocked out of, of a family photograph, so they could be related for all you know that's true it could be like her uncle or something or maybe one of her parents because they did i did note that when they showed the family photo of her parents that like they there's a convenient claire 
so that you can't see her parents' faces. Mm-hmm. And that could just be because they didn't feel like designing parents for her. <laughs> but it could also be that uh, that there is something there that will be a mystery that we will find out later. Dun dun dun! Dun dun dun! This is also when we get the exposition of why they are cell phones all the time. Someone finally asks, and they say that it conserves energy. They can turn into plushies for short periods, but when they are in what is called the rainbow zone or the garden of rainbows mm-hmm. we are rainbows we live in we live in the garden of rainbows which is very beautiful and very gay yeah that's like the <laughs> best description i've ever heard of this world too like the <laughs> rainbow zone is like you know what if that makes you happy you you think of it like that yes yes but when they are here in the garden of rainbows they can't it takes a lot of energy for them to be in their full physical form. So they revert to being cell phones, which is weird. But okay, we'll go with it. But okay, we will. It is conceit of magical girls. We will accept that just it, you happen, you know, the Sailor Senshi's fighting uniforms happen to look like school yep. uniforms. And when you are reverting into your save energy mode, it happens to look like a cell phone. I'm fine with that. And then we also learned that they're keeping the prism stones in their tails. Yep, that was a little... That was the odd. I assume this is a toy thing, and that if you buy the toy, it comes with a rock, and you can put the rock in a pouch in their tail. That would be reasonable. And then Grandma brings them cookies, and she's like... (laughs) Hanukkah never brings over friends because she's a sad, lonely scientist. She's so sad she only reads books. And then Hanukkah is just like, her voice is so sweet where she's like, wasn't that alright? I like books. (laughs) Like, wait a minute, why are you... I didn't realize anything was wrong. Was I doing something wrong? Why are you saying these things to me while people are here? Right, and then she goes like, oh, you have these, like, matching bone. How interesting. And she's also like to Nagisa, she's like, oh, well, like, you know, take care of her. Take care of each other. And it's like, Grandma, you know, you know something that you are not like, did you put that box in the shed? Are you from are um, you from Rainbow Land or whatever? This is the garden, the garden of light or whatever. Like, who are you like the ambassador for for Rainbow Land? <laughs> I don't know. Grandma knows something. Uh, Grandma's in on it. Then we get uh, Captain Shoulder Pads and beautiful 80s hair who zooms in on some guy with a briefcase and presumably steals his identity. We never find out what he does to that guy, but I assume that's the teacher who he takes over for. Mm-hmm. But the teacher's already called him sick, so why would he do that if he was planning on turning up? <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't know what this whole thing. I like you think about it logistically, and it's like, wait a minute. What? And the teacher already. And then the next day, does that teacher show up, or like try to? And they're like, no, you're not him. Or do they send him an email saying you disappeared halfway through the day and you're fired? And he sends an email back saying, I didn't even go in. I was sick. <laughs> like what? Do they not ever get a replacement student teacher? 
because that seems like an extra character you'd have to take care of that it doesn't look like it's... I have questions, <laughs> but we'll get to them. And none of them are answered. And again, with the sketchy school, do you not have any kind of identification checking? Right, you just see a guy and you just go like, "Oh, you must be the student." Yeah, (laughs) I thought you called it sick. Well, sure, but like, also, also worth noting, all these rumors about the really hot student teacher Mm -hmm. started before he stole this guy's identity. So, so what does the actual one look like? Is he also very hot? (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it was just like, like girls being like oh yes student teachers boys they will definitely be cute and then the actual reality is like no they are not and then everyone's hopes no, are like that guys anyway and then so but then they introduce they introduce him as the new student teacher he is and it's actually lord piss lord uh, piss lord excuse me yeah and it's lord piss lord and they and they're having this like you know introducing all the teachers and to the, was, like, the speech in that he says nothing. I think that everything he says is like an internal monologue. So so they're like, and here's our new teacher. And he walks up. Everybody goes, wow, he's so hot. And then he stares intently at Nagisa and walks off the stage. And it's like, at that point, why didn't anyone go, who is this guy? Everyone was too busy looking at how hot he was. But I was, I was like, is this? Is it just me being very, very, very asexual and then kind of into girls? But like, I, swear, he wasn't hot. No, <laughs> no. fathom how he was possibly hot. No, and even if you suspend like your animation disbelief and be like, no, I will impose the hottest man I can think of there, I'd still be like, well, that was weird. <laughs> Like, even if a hot guy does it, still weird. But, like, it's very odd because he, like, stares down Nagisa. And Nagisa's like, oh, our eyes met. And it's like, oh, no. No. And it's like he isn't wearing even his, like, he's, like, in human mode, too. So he's not even wearing his awesome eyeshadow. So it's just like, <laughs> okay. Oh, um, fine. Okay. Um, We get the teacher. He gets assigned to their teacher, um, and they start walking to class. They never actually make it to class, and while yes, while while she's talking, she is like he doesn't respond to anything, and she's like, "Oh, she's so mysterious and so wonderful and so cute and so hot," and it's like she literally says out loud, "Like, oh, don't you think that like." Our being assigned together was destiny. And oh, yes. you're so young, but you don't have to be embarrassed. And I was like, lady, this is inappropriate work behavior. <laughs> like, you can't just get, like, a new person who is directly under you while you are a supervisor and be like, it's destiny. You're so beautiful. <laughs> like... This is red flag territory. This is a lawsuit waiting to happen. It's um, really good, honestly, that it wasn't the actual cute teacher who called out. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> I mean, at the same time, I feel bad for her because she's just putting herself out there and getting nothing oh, yeah. back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But so then. Uh, anyway. <laughs> she brainwashes her. Uh, mm-hmm. 
and sends her and it and gives her the image of of uh, yeah to go go get her from the classroom and then he just stands around waiting and the vice principal shows up and is like hey uh shouldn't you be in class yeah. <laughs> and 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 piss lord just turns and glares at him and the vice principal's like nah it's cool never mind never mind Never mind. Despite having like the power to like hire or fire this guy or like give him a bad review, and it's like, nope, just a glare from this looking teacher will be enough. What does he look like in real life terms? What does he look like that he is so hot that everyone is immediately infatuated with him, but also capable of such a fierce glare that everyone can be immediately afraid of him? Maybe it's like David Bowie without the makeup on. And, uh, but with the, David with the Bowie hair, David Bowie would elicit that kind of reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Anyways, yeah. So what I also love too is like he he totally only remembers like Nagisa's face too, and that uh, um Monica's. Right. No, I literally I wrote down these notes. This should have gone to class. Would have seen Honoka and learned their names. Yeah. And then I also wrote, if he knew anything about Earth, he could have nabbed their records and targeted them at home. Yes! He could have just easily, like, grabbed their school records. And he, like, just went about this in the, like, he's not actually, for as much as he successfully snuck into this apparently very <laughs> poorly secured school. He's also really bad at it, too. He's, like, really bad at this, like, doing like sneaky covert missions he like as soon as the opportunity arrives drops it to just go straight into attacking and it's yeah. like you if you had played this out for even like an hour longer you would have been in a much better position strategically yeah so then we go into them obviously uh, fighting uh yeah the teacher grabs went. nagisa nagisa not not nagisa uh <laughs> And takes her into uh into the gym to meet up with Piss Lord. <laughs> and it's so much easier to say than it is so time. much easier to say. <laughs> and uh and <laughs> he and he's like, hand over the prism stone and he and that is when she's like, Oh fuck. <laughs> How did I not see this before? You're clearly that guy. <laughs> no wonder I was like cute I found you cute, but not that cute. <laughs> Um, so then he holds, uh, Ms. This is the first time I wrote down her, her name. Oh, yeah. He holds oh, yeah. Ms. Yoshimi hostage. And he's like, give me, and he's like, you know, and she's like, I don't have it. Because like, somehow she has not figured out yet that she should really be carrying the cell phone around with her at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, so Honoka comes to the rescue. Uh, <sighs> she gets to say my favorite magical girl, superhero, anything thing. She gets to do the hold it right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he gets to follow that up with playtime is over. So somebody had a lot of fun writing. (laughs) Uh, And she throws the cell phone for Nagisa to catch. They transform. And then he summons Zakena, who possesses a vaulting horse. First. Yes. And then we get a lot of, like, similar stock footage of them, like, avoiding i don't know weird wooden things being flown at them which again again what is this school's budget and they keep destroying (laughs) everything around them they ruin this vaulting horse 
It seems to smash into the ground several times. Later on in this fight, they leave a crater in the wall. Yeah, I mean, you've got to assume that demon gym equipment isn't standard. <laughs> Do we have, like, a... <laughs> they have they have standard anime uh Tokyo insurance wherein wherein all demon attacks are covered. Um so they start getting into this fight. Uh Ms. Yoshimi becomes sort of that baby from Tiny Toons that keeps walking into death and has to be rescued by the dog. No no, it was uh Animaniacs. That Animaniacs, right. The baby. <laughs> The baby that keeps going into danger and the dog that keeps having it. She turns it, their teacher turns into that baby and is just like walking on the rafters <laughs> in the gym. And they're like, what are you doing? And they have to go save her. And with the school safety, how do you have it there and not be safe? Right. <laughs> this is also not OSHA compliant either. <laughs> we have many complaints about the school and how it's run. Um, so they have to go up there and save her while they're being attacked by evil basketballs. Uh, at which point White takes a hit like a boss. Like, oh she man! Just, she takes awesome. a hit and it's like, oh no, she got hit, and then she's like, no, I'm fine, and just like smacks a bunch of more basketballs. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> clearly you have got this. Um, at at that point, Zakena abandons the basketballs and decides to possess a curtain. Yes, evil. Okay, it's like okay, of the things that they could think of, it. Uh, they could possibly think of that would be in a gym. They think, man, yes, a curtain is the evilest thing that some like like the I, stage I the stage curtain. I just couldn't. I, I can't even. <laughs> I have to say, it's the first time I've seen a lot of shows where they, you know, magical objects get possessed, and there are a lot of standards. This is, you know, I've at this point, this is probably the third evil vacuum I've seen. This is yeah. the first evil curtain yeah. I have ever seen. So they do get points for originality. This is true. <laughs> this is true. Um, but the uh, evil curtain wraps them in a blanket burrito and starts suffocating them. And then throws them and leaves an impact crater in the cement wall. Which, yep. one, ouch. And two, who's gonna fix that? <laughs> um... And then their teacher passes out, and they get really mad about that. They're like, we can't believe that you hurt her. And it's like, she's been... It took you a long time to get mad. And that's when they remember they have magic. So they do their marble screw. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and they just Lord... screwed. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do their... And, he's... and he gets marble screwed. He gets... <laughs> Te... Piss Lord gets Team Rocket blasted into uh, the sky. And then we come back to the classroom and everybody's like, hey, are they dead? I don't care. We have a free period. <laughs> Which also is totally accurate. I have been 100%. in that classroom. 100%. I have been in that classroom. Is the teacher ever coming back? I hope no. not. We're having a great party. And then uh, their teacher wakes up uh, to both All of right. them trying to wake her up. Seems unconcerned about the fact that she passed out. That she probably has no idea how she got to the gym. Uh, that these two, and instead immediately goes into like getting these two girls in trouble for being out of class. Yes, and it's like, it's Naisa, just like, Naisa, I expect this from you, which is just like, ouch, right? And then she's like, but you, student representative, and it's like, I, 
I feel like this should not be her first concern. Like, her first question should not be, what are you doing out of class? It should be, what am I doing here? (laughs) Unconscious on the floor. Unconscious on the floor. Well, also, like, she came into the classroom and specifically asked for Nagisa. So I feel like when they get back to the class, I really hope that all the other students, like, back her up and go like, no, you came and got her. Do you not remember that? You specifically walked in here and grabbed her. And then, presumably, their student teacher, who called in sick, hears what happens and decides not to fuck with the school. Uh, yeah. <laughs> decides that perhaps a change of careers is in order. <laughs> or at least go to a school with decent safety regulations. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of episode three. I did watch the, pre- the next time on. Did you guys watch the next time on? Um, yeah, yes. but I didn't take any notes on it, but it looks like it's going to be the field trip. Yeah. This the ill-planned field trip. All I, I didn't take any notes. All I noted was like, oh, they're actually having some continuity where they break up a field trip and then they go on a field trip. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> all, all three episodes, we have continuity. We have continuity. Truth, when it comes to, to like Monster of the Week shows, and continuity, my expectations are often very low. So genuinely, I was like, "Oh, cool." That's fair. There is there is some level to which they say something's going to happen, and then it does. <laughs> Even if they forget that they had a student teacher program, which it looks <laughs> like they do. We <laughs> <laughs> we would get like student teaching for a week and then never see them again. So it could be like I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works in Japan either. In America, generally, I think you have to student teach for a whole semester before yeah, you can yeah, get I, I'm, your license. I'm a, yeah, I work at a high school. So, yeah, you we get a student teacher for like forever and a day, at least one semester, if not two, so that they can feel it out. They can feel it out. And yeah, there's like no excitement. <laughs> at least <laughs> my high schoolers are like, ooh, well, cute student teacher, but then yeah. I'm in a mixed high schools yeah so like yeah Um, we just have to assume that's a girl school thing um um, but yeah those are the three episodes anyone have any final thoughts no they're (laughs) fun i mean it it, it's monster of the week we're we're getting some uh, it's actually kind of nice that it feels like they actually have kind of like an overarching plot rather than hey here's um the plot for maybe like 12 episodes and then oh we're gonna get renewed so here's a plot for another 12 episodes so yeah that's that's nice jade any final thoughts not at the moment <laughs> i think my final thoughts would just be that nagisa and honoka are both uh lgbt icons and so we need to <laughs> embrace that <laughs> <laughs> I never pick up on, like, subtle romantic subtext, so this is going to be watching the next episode in a new light. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like how you call it subtle romantic subtext. I call it, they were covered in rainbows and holding hands. <laughs> I mean, I just assume that it's like one of those girl programs where everything either has to be rainbows or pink and sparkly. Yeah, no, yeah. that's probably what the creators were thinking, but they're not in <laughs> charge anymore. I am. So. Right, but also it's like two thousand. It was two thousand four. The rainbow had been pretty well established and being the gay icon thing. So, yeah. given that I would have been five at this point, and my understanding of rainbows as gay happened 
more recently than since I was five, I wouldn't have picked up on it at, at that point where I was probably closer to the target audience. That's true. That's that is true. true. You were closer to the target audience. In 2004, yeah. I was in high school and everyone knew rainbows were gay. That's why you wore them to show your solidarity with the movement and then get beat yeah. up by people because I grew up in a rural yeah. area mm. and it was 2004. Yeah. yeah. 2004. I think you're, I think I also was in high school and yeah, I know. I mean, we had the day of silence thing where everyone wore rainbows in black and didn't talk except when they did. So. Yeah, yeah, we did yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. We did that too, but we had the kind of school where the day of silence was followed up by what is that really disrespectful day that they always have the day after the day of silence oh. that homophobes have? Uh, my school didn't ha do that. So. See, my school did, and it was the kind of school where, because today, in a civilized school, if people tried to do that, <laughs> the teachers would stop them because they'd be like, oh, that's hate speech. But it was 2004, and we lived in a very red district. And so, the, so a small handful of the students would do the gay pride thing, and then the next day, an equally sized or larger number of students would do the, like, straight yeah. pride thing and it was um, like oh you yeah we, we're we're gonna be comparing notes because i grew up in a really blue district so no, i grew up in fun. a very I, it's washington state which is a blue state but i grew up in a very red district of washington state i grew up on the um, eastern side and it was sorry. very red it's okay i think it actually was kind of good for me i think it worked out anyway this is gone off into there. Well, we, we've gone on really long. So, I... <laughs> and how did we decide on like signing out? Or are we just saying? Uh, I just... don't think we did. I had a thought, but now I can't remember it. Oh, I remember. My thought was maybe our sign off could be um, something like, "And remember to always be an emissary of the light." I'm good with that. Um, so for those who are watching along at home, for all you beautiful pretty cures at home. If you want to watch along, watch episodes four, five, six, and seven. Uh, we will be back next week discussing them. Oh, uh, I forgot to have people do their social media. Oh, uh, yeah, we can just do that. Um, uh, be an emissary of the light or whatever, rainbows. Be an emissary of rainbows. There we go. Um, you can find me at Jasmine Frank at Tumblr. Um, that's mostly my hangout these days. Jade? Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm the next. <laughs> Violin on Tumblr. <laughs> and, and I recently linked other things on there, so. Alright, yeah. and I am Time Machine Live Vlogs on Tumblr. I will see you next week. Remember to be an emissary of whatever. You know, whatever. We're done. <laughs> <laughs>